Good day and welcome here to Sports Stars. It's the final podcast of 2020, a year of uncertainty. We didn't know when we started this journey in July exactly where we'd end up. But thankfully, on a sporting point of view, the All-Ireland Camogie Finals took place, the All-Ireland Football Finals took place, and we can reflect on the year in a positive note, even if life in general at the moment is not necessarily sharing that positivity. I'm Darren Kelly. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by Rena Buckley, who will give us her thoughts on the year and her Super 6, but of course, for Sports Stars Football is my partner in crime, Neve Kenlan. And first, Neve, in case I forget to say it later on, a Merry Christmas. Thanks, Darren, and the very same to you and all the family. Neve, before we look back in last Sunday and we look ahead to um, uh, your Super 6 later on as well, which you'll be announcing at the end of the show. Of course, we're recording on Tuesday, another lockdown coming into Ireland. We're not too sure exactly how it's affecting us sports-wise in general, but thankfully on a football perspective, we got to enjoy two uh, great All-Ireland finals last Sunday and we got to see out the calendar year. Yeah, that that was probably the most the positive thing um, over the weekend. Like you know, suppose there's been so much uncertainty over the last week or so, and um, we you know with numbers ca- cases rising and obviously in, in Northern Ireland as well. So, um, you know, it was great to get the finals played and thankfully you know ran off um you know without incident or without um any you know any cases arising from or any problems arising from it. And we certainly hope it won't be too long next year before we're back in action again. We don't know exactly what the club matches will be affected in the new year. I think that's still all uncertain at the moment. But of course, we'll monitor that here on Sports Stars. For the start of the show today, we're going to look back on last Sunday, the TG Car All-Ireland Football Finals. And Neve, it's still all Dublin, a blue wave in uh, Gaelic football, both men and women. But deserving champions, Dublin beating Cork by 110 to 1-5. Yeah, definitely so, Darren. Um, you know, I suppose last week I talked that I, I thought Cork could cause a bit of an upset. Um, you know, at the way at the, at the rate the start of the match for first fifteen minutes, it certainly it looked like there was something like that on the cards. But you know, I suppose after that water break, you know, after half time, you know, whatever Mick said for them, you've certainly seen you know the rise of true champions and they they finished out the game very strong, and you know, very worthy winners. Yeah, because they were under the caution. What a start to the game. Like people marveled about Dean Rock's goal for the men on Saturday, but only Terry O'Sullivan stepped up with a bullet after just two minutes. And as you mentioned, their cork one two to a point up in the early stages and really had Dublin under the cosh. Yeah, they really had like and you know, I suppose, you know, uncharacteristically, um Dublin had a few attacks, but a few wides, which was unlike them, you know. There was a lot of um great defensive work by Cork and they turned over a couple of their shots and you know, like suppose Dublin, I think we talked about, you know, possible three goal chances early on um and didn't take any of them. So that, you know, for them to win at half time with only three points, that was certainly a shock. And I think if if you predicted that prior to the match, thinking that the, you know, you'd keep them to, to three points, um after after thirty minutes of football, Cork would certainly take that a big positive out of that. But you know, I suppose they got those couple of scores, and after half time, you know, I felt that you know Cork got a, a, a had a free awarded a free early in the second half, which um, Orla Finn hit the post, and you know, disappointingly for Cork, I felt that this was a major change in point. You know, the ball hit the post, and you know, from your an underage player, you know, if you're always watching it, someone taking a free, you watch the ball coming off the post. It, it was like three Dublin players round, and you know, and from that on, it just felt like Cork's heads dropped, and Dublin just, you know, you could see all of a sudden this rise with them, um, and you know, the, the, a couple of changes, a couple of different things happened. Obviously, the penalty was a major, the major ch- score that changed the game, but you could just feel that Dublin, you know, they were started attacking or you know hunting in packs when when Cork were under pressure with the ball, and you just could see that change in Dublin um, across the board. It was a big moment that uh, it was Orla Finn's free because Cork needed to score too just to settle down after the great start that they had. They only had a, a free before half time while they led by three points and they really struggled to get scores. And Dublin, if anything, just showed their composure, they showed their maturity, they showed their experience gained over the years of hurt and the years of success that they've had to just pretty much take control of the game. Yeah, that, that that was it in a nutshell, Darren. They, you know, they just they, they never panicked, and I suppose it's something we saw them in the semi final against Armagh when at times Armagh had them at the racks. They, they still they never panicked. Um, you know, obviously losing Sinead Hearn at half time, you know, that was a bit of a shock. Even though you know, being at the game, I, I felt you know from the press box, I felt that she was struggling that first half. You know, she wasn't fully kicking through the ball. You know, even the free she missed the free, which was uncharacteristic for her too. Um, she scored one, but you know, just she just didn't look like she was the Sinead of Heron that we know. Um, and you know, about at half time, you know, she was missing, and you could see that maybe in another team, you know, that could send ma- major um, 
worry through the through the Dublin team, but it never did. And you know, as you said, as you said, that that free from Cork, missing that free, um, and it just seemed to it just seemed to, to sway to Dublin's favour after that. Because in the group games against Donegal and Waterford, uh, we we questioned Dublin's form. We weren't too sure what way they were going coming into the semi-final against our man. They looked like they were depending on Sinead Hearn for consistency, even though other players stepped up each game too. But semi-final and final to lose this is their captain before half-time or half-time in this case. And the other players stepped up when they had to, especially in the third quarter. Yeah, that's it. Like, And, you know, they, that, that's, I suppose, that's what makes a team, um, you know, their players... A bit like their, their their counterparts, you know, the subs came off the bench, made it had an impact, instant impact. Like in Kate Sullivan scored a point, um, you know, they, they had Carla Rowe, like we talked about Carla Rowe in the semi final. You know, she stepped up, scored the penalty in the semi final, scored a couple of points, freeze, started taking the freeze. She did the same last Sunday, so, you know, you know, and all those players who made gold player of the match, you know, stepped up. So they just had all these players that just all of a sudden stepped up, and I think their fitness levels really showed too. I think I felt then the last fifteen minutes, and maybe. You know, when you're down, a beaten team, you, you look a bit more unfit or the team that's had their tails are up. They looked up at Pitter, but I really felt that their fitness levels, you know, Dublin, they just seemed to be getting stronger and stronger as the game went on, where, where Cork really were starting to struggle at that stage. It's like as though they pressed up on them, they suffocated them. And even myself, they're watching and trying to find a player outside the household names that we often talk about. And we're just taking one example in Aoife Kane as well, how she pushed up in the game too. It was involved. I think she got the first score the second half, was involved in an awful lot of moves. And it was just, I suppose, a one example of exactly how this Dublin team play when they're under pressure. Yeah, that's it exactly. Again, Aoife Kane, you know, I even watched the game back last night um, and, you know, Aoife Kane, you know, I probably didn't notice notice her as much in the first half, but when I watched the game back, she really got a lot of ball. She turned over a lot of, you know, she really frustrated the Cork defence at time, or attack at times. Um, and then she she just found this new lease of life into the second half where she popped up and mm-hmm. um, scored that point after half time, um, and then, you know, got involved and, and was setting up, helping mm-hmm. to set up play. Um, at, you know, at different stages in the field. So she really, really was a player of note. Cork, as you mentioned there, like they kind of faded out of the game. They were dependent on Kiro Sullivan to inspire them. Like Moro Callan pushed up at times too, but a lot of big names really didn't perform as the game progressed as well. They're taking off along with this game, but will they also feel, Neve, that they could have left one behind here? Yeah, I, I think like, you know, like, yeah, we, we talked about the Sullivans. You know, I suppose... Um, they just never really got into it. And that's probably a compliment to Cork, you know, uh, or compliment to, to Dublin that they never really let them get into a, ch- a chance. But, you know, when, when Cork were on top for that 15 minutes at the start, they never capitalised on it. Like, you know, that had there was a, a chance that um, Neve or, or Neve Collins, you know, broke down where Orla Finn should have passed the ball, tried to get over to Duran Finn, Duran, um, Duran O'Sullivan. And it was it was cut out by, by Lucy Collins. Or sorry, Neve Collins. Um, so there was, there was times like that that the, a Cork team of old wouldn't let those chances. Like if you think of the Valerie Mulcahy's or the Nullo Clearies, they never let them chances or, you know, you know, let them get cut out. They would have been too smart for that. So, you know, I suppose maybe a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, just weren't fully up to it on the day or maybe maybe nerves. I don't know. Just a lot of, an awful lot of hand and errors throughout the game by Cork. And before we wrap up on this, I suppose our our testament to Dublin in general, like as we as I mentioned already, it was times we questioned their form during the campaign, but they stepped up with the answers any time they had to, especially in the semi-final and final. Like it's four in a row, all Ireland's for Dublin. People will talk about Dublin dominance, but of course it's only their fifth in total as well. It's a very, very special team that they might have a few older heads there, but there's a lot of young players that are coming through and will keep them up there at the top. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I just was going through the programme there. Like, you know, Siobhan McGrath, Lindsay Davies, Sinead Ahern, and Eve McAvoy, all between 30 and 33 years of age, um, all with five All-Irelands now. And, you know, the rest is all. Like, you're all talking about the Carla Rose. Like, I mean, they talk about a young head, no old shoulders. You know, she's 25 years of age. Nicole Owens, uh, Aoife Kane, we spoke about, um, Neve Collins, full back. You know, even Kira Trant and Goldies. Like, they're all in their, in their you know, mid-20s. So, you know, God, it's a bit worrying. And as I spoke about their counterparts, you know, they have such strength and depth and such, you know, players that you just wonder, are they going to be around for another couple of years? Well, just two players I'll, I'll ask you about before we do finish up, because I'm hoping that we're not, we haven't seen the end of them. But of course, these questions always come at the end of a campaign. Sinead O'Hearn has said she'll wait till the new year to make her decision. Some people were had the audacity in, in the post-match press uh, socially distance huddle to ask Lindsay Davey the same questions. Uh, just sum up their contributions to Dublin football in general. 
Oh yeah, they, they've just been phenomenal players. Um, you know, like you know, people forget. You know, obviously, you've got the you know the one that all Ireland in twenty ten, and then been had at the at the back of a lot of heartache, especially to Cork over the last number of years. Um, you know, until they finally made the breakthrough in in twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen, shall I say? But they, you know, they've really. Uh, uh, they're just the backbone of that team. They're so um, they're never they never never say a die attitude, you know. Uh, I mean, Lindsay Davy like was still full of running at the end of the game the other day, like you know, and she covers so much ground. And you know, to think that Sinead Heron and her at in in their mid thirties and Siobhan McGrath, those three players that I spoke about, all in their thirty one to thirty three years of age, and they're still the backbone of that Dublin team, and you know, and they're they're, they're given such. Uh, such a lift to that team and such a lift to those players around them and bringing on the young players and it's so important you know I I, I think it's very unfair that they're, they're still so young in my eyes <laughs> you know so I think it'd be very unfair of them for anyone to be saying to them that they should hang up the boots you know let's keep I think they should keep going and keep trying to bring on the players around them and um, continue to do what they're doing but they're such humble players and so down to earth and you know so unassuming they're always you know wanting to do better every year and, and you know they're, they're great ambassadors for ladies football Neve, you and me were two of the very privileged few to get to watch it too. And of course, you could not argue uh, Dublin's performance, especially in the second half, deserving All-Ireland champions. Now, you were, uh, earned your crust in the first game in live commentary because um, uh, we'll be talking to Rena Buckley shortly as well. And uh, I'll put the same question to her. We could talk about this game for a half an hour and still have plenty to talk about. It was certainly a curtain raiser we're going to see. It really was. And, you know, and a real testament to the two um, intermediate teams, you know, people might say, you know, the different standards, but I really felt the intermediate game was was top notch. Like some of the scoring was brilliant. It's not too often you see, what, six six goals in a match and, you know, what do we have, 17, 23 points. It was brilliant, the scoring um, the, the, and, and of the highest, highest quality scoring from both sides. It was, and of course, coming into the game, we knew, like Mead were hitting form. Westmead would probably have gone into the game as favourites. And uh, like after just two minutes, uh, Lucy McCartan had the first goal as well. Joanna Maher lording it around the middle of the field, dropping deliveries in as well. And I suppose before we get into the other scores in that particular quarter, when Westmead got that goal, you're kind of going, all right, like what they really can drive on from here. Yeah, and like, I mean, you know, looking from from our um, viewpoint, you know, Meade's defence looked absolutely wide open and it's probably something we talked about, you know, in the lead up to these games, Meade's defence was quite good and, you know, they got loads of numbers back, but God, early on, you know, they were completely shell-shocked and, you know, our like Westmead had three attacks and three ball, the ball in the net three times and, you know, we spoke so highly of Monica McGurk and God, God love her, she really had a bad day at the office, you know, she only conceded one goal in the whole championship and she conceded four last week, like. Because that's the thing coming into the game. We weren't expecting me to um, concede. And Westmead, well, they got two goals against Roscommon. They were like, I wouldn't call them fortunate goals. They definitely earned two of them, but probably capitalised on mistakes as well. But as you said there, six minutes in, I'm looking at my notes here in front of me, three goals to one, two. It was really set up for a classic. Yeah, it was like a soccer match with the start. It had like, and obviously Lucy being, being a P-Mount player as well, you know, she really showed her skill. But the the, the the quality of the goals was so good, you know what I mean? And in, in, on two of the occasions, it was, you know, a turnover in the in the Westmead defence, actually Fiona Claffey, you know, turned over ball for one of the goals. And I mean, she ran 30, 40 yards and a big high ball in. And, you know, it was, it was just so really, really well worked. It was like something out of the training field, you know, something that worked, you know, to let the ball on fast and maybe um, catch Mead and the counter-attack. And they certainly did that on three occasions. Well, I mentioned Joanna Maher already. I suppose that one player took the first half by the scruff of the neck. It was Ficky Wall, and uh, like um, that goal on twelve minutes will live long in my memory. But she got it. She just went went for it. The space opened up, and she put a bullet into the back of the net. And that really, uh, even though the game was still tight for a long time, it really probably started turning a bit of momentum Mead's way. Yeah, it did. And I mean, I, I, it's funny. I spoke off air. You know that with our sister going off injured at the time and you know obviously you're, you know crucial ligament you don't you don't want to see anyone hurting their knees or ankles in the middle of a game especially in all Ireland final any game you want to see anyone injured but I, I watched Vicky make the make the, the long run down to check out our sister and you know I really wondered um, mm-hmm. would it affect her game then you know seeing her sister be stretched off and my god she certainly answered any any thoughts I had of, of her it affecting her and I mean almost from the restart you know she ran from 40 and it was an absolute you know, I mean, the skill levels of that, you know, solo on her left, go three, four or five players and then bang it into net with her right foot was was something that, you know, if it doesn't, it's well up there for goal of the year. 
It was a touch of class. Like, I know they're sisters, but I remember seeing Vicky going down to check on Sarah as well. And, of course, to lose um, their fullback after conceding three goals. Again, it was all set up for Westmead, even if they were struggling uh, to get put points over the bar. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, and, you know, I, you know, I suppose just be, just before uh, that happened to Sarah, you know, you'd be thinking that maybe Mead had got a little bit settled. You know, I think they'd thrown over a ball before that and maybe they'd come, you know, Monica, I think, I think Westmead had dropped the ball short into Monica McGurk's hands. So you might have thought that maybe Mead was getting on top in, in defence at that stage. And then to lose Sarah was an awful blow. But, you know, in fairness to Mead, I suppose the hurt over the last previous two years and, you know, they weren't going to let it, let it, um, you know, sit back and let you know let the game bypass by them or pass them by, and they certainly didn't. There was plenty of moments in this game you could call turning points. You mentioned Fiona Claffey already, and of course she ended up winning a penalty for Leon Archibald to put the ball in the back of the net early in the second half, and it put Westmead in front. I think of well for the first time since the three early goals as well, and even coming up towards the last water break, uh, Westmead led by four five to two ten, but me just would not go away. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, you know, um, in fairness to Westmead, you know, there were, um, what were they down at halftime? Three or four points down at halftime. And, you know, as you said, they got that goal. And, and um, you know, Leona Archibald, we spoke about her um, in the lead up to the game. I suppose by her standards, had a very quiet match. And, you know, I suppose it's, it's you know, to get a penalty at that stage of the game, such a vital penalty. You know, she showed great character to, you know, considering she hadn't been in the game and maybe her confidence was kind of low to, to step up and, and take the penalty and put it away at, at a very vital stage. But then, you know, I suppose me then still were, I have to give a special mention to Emma, Emma Duggan. I thought Emma Duggan at 18 years of age, you know, when your second time to play in Crow Park was absolutely her, her you know, the, the leadership she showed and um, her free taking was absolutely top notch. And I mean, you know, at times she just kept me in, you know, after that goal was scored, she came back and scored a pint uh, from a free. So at every opportunity, she was there to, to keep me on the score and ticking away on the scoreboard. And she got a couple from play as well, especially one set by Megan Tyne in the second half, who also grew in influence. She did. And, and you know, that's when, when Meads, you know, we, we spoke about Meads attack, you know, um, you know, they're attacking from deep, you know, players like Megan Tyne and even Emma Troy come up from corner back and scored a pint. So they had players then that, you know, they're starting to find their feet then and realising, OK, let's, let's not, you know, I suppose, not sit back here and let this game go away from us. And of course, the final quarter didn't meet like seven points unanswered. Starting with Emma Troy and then Emma Duggan, Vicky Wall got back into the game after receiving a knock just after half time as well. After their defeats to Tyrone and Tipperary in the previous two finals, I don't think anybody uh, could begrudge Mead uh, winning a first All Ireland title since 1994. Yeah, like that. You know, I mean, the scenes on the pitch afterwards was, was lovely to watch, like, because they were really you know, they were so overjoyed and you know, so emotional after it, like, you know, it was, and it was, you know, it was lovely to see because you could really feel that the, the, the hurt they've had over the last two years um, and, you know, fully deserving. And it's it's good to see now, you know, I suppose either way it was going to be a Leinster final for Dublin and I suppose it's been a Westmead Dublin uh, Leinster final over the last couple of years. And I suppose for Dublin's point of view, it'll be nice to see a Mead Dublin final for a change. And, you know, and Mead will really relish that because I think you know, they're a very young side. Like, I mean, Vicky Wall, we spoke about, is only 22 years of age. Um, you know, Emma Duggan, only 18. I mean, they really are a young side um, with, you know, with loads of ability. And if, you know, they, they can keep it going and build on that now, they'll certainly be a team to reckon with in the future. Before we finish up there, I have one question to ask you. And I was thinking about this in Crow Park, watching that game in particular on Sunday. There's 12, last year there was 12, or this year, sorry, there was 12 senior teams. There'll be 13 next year because Mead will get to play in senior. And I just got the feeling myself, Neve, with the standard of, of football building, um, could the LGFA look at possibly making 13 or even 14 a more permanent senior figure? Yeah, well, it's, it's something I've actually spoke about for a long time, Darren. I really think that, you know, I think all teams should should be, you know, your your end goal should be playing in this, you know, playing senior championship. And, you know, that be, that should be your, for all the junior and intermediate teams, that should be their, what they're looking to, to end up or wanting to play in. That's your, your sort of your um, sacred ground that you want to play in. And I think, you know, rather than having a team for relegation, I spoke about this before, um, you know, that, so we played Westmead, or sorry, we, we Monaghan played Westmead, you know, last year, and one of us were going. To, one of those teams was going to get relegated. Obviously, it meant it was Westmead. You know, it's a pity that there's ever been. It has to be relegation. I think we should be trying to get more and more teams up senior and make it make the senior championship um, more teams in it than sticking with the 12, 13 teams.
Yeah, because especially over the last two or three years in particular, like I think when they put down two a couple of years ago and Kildare was struggling up there and Leash was struggling, I could understand the decision at the time, but we've seen it with Tipperary, with Tyrone, with me, now Westmead as well, who are not going back up as well. You just get the, it was just my own feeling that uh, I think LGV can accommodate at least two or four more teams in the top flight. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I mean, I think it'd be great for teams. And, I, you know, I think you know, there, there, there might be an element of certain teams, certainly not the case with me this year, but, you know, uh, you know, maybe teams in the past have a load of old heads playing and, you know, the wind intermediate challenge and then all those girls retire. And then this this young new team is then stuck up in senior football and maybe not making any headway in it. But, you know, teams that's building and have been building on, on, a, on a, a steady um, increase every year and they're wanting to, their, their goal is to win an intermediate championship to, to effectively play senior football. That's what they want and that's what I would hope that all teams are striving to do. Well, there'll be 13 teams in senior next year. It'll be interesting what develops on that score and we'll find out as 2021 goes through. We're going to take a break right now. Of course, it wasn't just myself and Neve who got to me in Crow Park on Sunday. Rita Buckley was there as well. She was in the commentary box with TG Carr and didn't watch the senior final as well. So we're going to get Rena's thoughts on that Sunday and also her Super 6. I like listening to Sports Dads because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. Now I'm delighted to be joined by our curtain raiser presenter, Rena Buckley, for our last podcast of 2020, where we look back at the football year briefly before Rena will name her football Super Six. And first, Rena, welcome to Sports Dads Football. <laughs> Thanks very much, Darren. We're not curtain raising much today, but we'll have a nice chat anyway. Oh, we, we will certainly will. And of course, uh, just we're recording this obviously on Tuesday with the news of another lockdown coming out. And I suppose the first thing to say is, it's a, thank God we got these games split. Definitely, without a doubt. Um, yeah, there's been a big turn, I suppose, and a bit of a change of atmosphere. So, look, great to have had the, the season that we've had. And um, look, it was a, a great final day out, I suppose, in Crow Park on, on Sunday. So, um, look, things aren't looking too too optimistic for the next couple of months but look please God we'll get back to playing sport anyway and that can certainly give a, a light to everybody around the country We most certainly hope so but of course as you mentioned there we were both in Crow Park on Sunday to watch the two TG Car All-Ireland Finals we talked about the senior one first briefly Rena, the way the first 15 minutes went I was thinking about you because I thought it would be the first time you get to actually be a spectator and watch Cork win a football All-Ireland but alas it wasn't to be not to be, you know, I suppose, look, Cork started, they started really, really brightly, you know, it was hugely positive start from Cork and they showed, I suppose, absolutely no fear at all. And they looked like they had kind of um, Dublin's measure, you know, they, I thought they defended very well. They, I thought they they managed their key players very well. You know, they, you know, I suppose Carla Rowe and Lindsay Davey were the two, I suppose, I was I was looking at in particular. And, you know, they seemed to kind of put those two players under pressure, but anybody who was running through the middle... Like Dublin did miss a lot, but you'd have to compliment Cork. They they did defend very, very well. And when they were going forward, they looked very, very dangerous. I think around the 25-minute mark, the tide started to turn. I think Dublin were relentlessly attacking. And Cork just, I, I, I think they just couldn't, you know, they couldn't quench all the fires, you know. You know, and it wasn't one or two players from Dublin. It was the whole team. They were running at them relentlessly. And, and I think they just had, on, a, on an overall, I think they had too much for Cork. I felt myself, and even as you mentioned, that period too in the second quarter and even after the restart, that Cork were starting to live off scraps after that great one-two to a point start. And we just have a quick mention for Anya's goal in a moment. But it was just those few little half chances, especially the start of the second half, where in another day, the Orla Finns, the Saoirse Noonans might have gotten them and Cork needed them at that stage as Dublin were starting to take control. I suppose we would have spoken beforehand for Cork to win. They needed everything to go right for them. And in the first half, everything did go right for Cork, you know. Um, I think they kicked one wide in the first half. I think I think Dublin kicked six. You know, Cork got the goal chance and they took it. Dublin got a goal chance or two and they missed it. Um, and everything was going right for Cork and they were in the driving seat at halftime. It was obvious at the end of the first half, they were. I, I thought Dublin were, were starting to come. And I kind of felt myself... Great, you know, half time is here. Cork will regroup, you know, they'll re-energize if they could get to the three-quarter point mark. You know, f- you know, fresh legs come in, you just wouldn't know. But in that third quarter, Dublin got a foothold in the game. You know, they they got their goal, I suppose. So that that um that cut out Cork's cushion, and then they're able to chip away at points. And then at the other side of the field, Cork started missing as well. And 
you know, started missing freeze, started missing from play, you know, and you'd have to give credit to, to Dublin were putting Cork under ferocious pressure as well in, in that second second half, you know, particularly in the third quarter. And, and you know, Cork just didn't have enough to, to get over Dublin. Dublin really started pressing up on Cork as well, as you mentioned, putting on the pressure. Eva Kane had a point. Sinead Goldrick missed a sitter of a score, but then the crucial moment, the penalty, when Carla Rowe won the penalty and put it to the back of the net. What was your thoughts on that penalty first? Yeah, look, I suppose it, it was it was coming on the back of, you know, a number of attacking plays from from Dublin. And, you know, the, I suppose the, Carla broke the line and um, Martina O'Brien, the Cork goalie, I think she came very well. She had came out to her very quickly. She probably didn't need to put her hands in around her. She probably didn't realise the backup that she had behind her. Easy for me to say when I'm st- sitting on the sideline looking in. You know, it was a reaction thing. You know, she, she blocked her, put her hands in. It was a definite penalty. And it just came from that through the middle running and that support play that Dublin had, you know, they had all day. It didn't quite work out for them in the first half, you know, but they, they certainly punished Cork in, in the second half. Cork did try to counter-attack the spike going, I think it was 1-6 to 1-3 when Kira O'Sullivan ended a scoring drought. But I felt myself that with Kira Mora Callan pushing up to a, a lot of players just probably took a, a, a touch of the ball or a, a solo or a bounce too many and just went in to a Dublin rear guard that were very unrelenting. Agreed, and even Fiona Fe- or, or Roisin Phelan, she, she was bursting forward and she got dispossessed around the middle of the field that came, that turnover, that, that led to the, the penalty. And I think probably what happened to Cork was, you know, they were attacking, but probably not in twos and threes. Often, you know, a person was left to attack on their own. Dublin swarmed them, they didn't give them a chance and they turned over a lot of ball that way. And I probably think that in the second half, Cork probably didn't attack on mass the way Dublin attacked on mass. And, you know, if you don't have that support play, if you don't have that person to give the ball to, you either have to turn back or, or sometimes run into trouble. And, and, you know, often the Cork player ran into trouble. You know, Kira Sullivan is excellent at it. You know, there was a, a, a time there, you know, it looked like nearly she was in for a goal. She, she managed to get through three tackles. But you, you can't consistently do that. You need support with you. And, and Cork just didn't seem to have that support, you know, when they were transferring the ball from the back lane to the forward lane. I have to say the Cork backs, I thought, were, I thought they were to a player outstanding. I thought each of them put in a great shift. But just that transfer of the ball forward and that support play, you know, the, the forward often received the ball in an isolated position or, you know, we we're under pressure getting the ball and then couldn't get it into a, a scoring zone um, as easily as, as Dublin were, you know, making that transfer and, I think that probably was the difference between the two teams. I was talking to Evie Fitzgerald afterwards and while he was disappointed, he wasn't too despondent because he was making the point that we've discussed that there were so many changes from the Cork team that you would have played on in 2016 as well. And uh, like I suppose it feels one way weird saying it about Cork because it's still fresh, the, the great run that G had, but there's hope for this Cork panel that they'll gain an awful lot from this game despite defeat. Ah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, they were, I mean, they were leading at halftime, you know, that's, that's certainly some, you know, that's definitely a very, very positive. I thought in particular, I suppose she's worth the mention. It was her first all Ireland final, Eric O'Shea. I thought she was playing number seven for Cork. She was one of Cork's best players. So it's not all doom and gloom for sure. I thought from a pure skill level, I thought Cork were very, very competitive, but I thought Dublin's overall fitness was what saw them over the line. I know that's something that you can work on as a team. And, you know, it's something that, that Cork, I'm sure, will look to next year and the year after. And, you know, having a, a good skills base is, is very, very important. I do think Cork have that and they just need to work on probably the, the fitness and conditioning side of it. And if they do that, then, you know, they'll be a much more complete package. There's a lot of talk about Dublin dominance in the game at the moment, but I suppose we have to admire this current ladies football team. Four All-Irelands in a row after losing three as well. And of course, they showed the experience that they've learned over those whole seven years. Absolutely. Yeah, look, they're, they're an excellent team. And I thought it was very obvious in the game on Sunday, you know, the balance they have within the team. You know, Sinead Hearn had to come off. You know, Neve McAvoy was replaced. Probably Noel Healy was in and out of the game a little bit. And, you know, they've been outstanding servants to Dublin down through the years. They're great players. And, you know, they have been very, very good in this in this championship as well. But even when Cork managed to, you know, target those couple of players, you know, they just seem to have enough, you know, on the whole. So, I mean, this Dublin team, you know, there's there's a lot of balance within the team. You know, they, they all put their shoulder to the wheel. You know, they support each other on the field and it's it's very obvious from them that they support each other off the field as well 
Um, and, you know, they're they're thoroughly deserving of their, their All-Ireland feature. I have no doubt Cork, Galway and other counties will try and stop the drive for five next year. Before I let this one go, of course, you were in the commentary box with TG Carrot there as well. How did you contain yourself after that start, especially a bullet of a goal from Anya Terry O'Sullivan? Absolutely, yeah. Jeez, I was... <laughs> I was delighted I wasn't co-commentating and I might have got a bit too excited but um, yeah look it was a, a superb start and Cork got themselves into a great position I thought beforehand if Cork matched Dublin for goals that it would have been enough but in hindsight look hindsight's twenty twenty. but they probably needed to get an extra goal in Dublin they probably needed that cushion but look wasn't to be um, and like you know as a Cork person you'd be very proud of all the Corkers put in as big an effort as they could you know they prepared themselves very well all year so look they'll be they'll be back again next year and, and well done to Dublin they had a great victory it was indeed. Congratulations to Dublin. Of course, I was mixing my matches up. You were in the commentary box, but it wasn't that game. But talk about excitement. The intermediate final. Mead finally get over the line. But like we, we could spend about half an hour just talking about this game. We'll try and ra- do it in a few minutes. But five goals in the opening quarter. It was unbelievable. We made a comment when we were watching the the, the senior final that, um, you know, there was more scoring, scoring the first quarter of the intermediate final than there was in the whole of the senior final. It was phenomenal stuff altogether. Look, it was it was a great game. It was much more open than I expected. I thought that the two teams would have known each other exceptionally well from challenge games and so on. And I thought because of that, it would have been a bit more of a door affair, to be honest. I thought there would have been a lot of shadow boxing, but absolutely the opposite. I suppose Meath were all out there. You know, they had a very mobile team and they really attacked the game from the get-go. And they, they supported each other in droves going up the field, probably to the point that they left themselves open at the back. And Westmead's style of play, that direct kicking in, they exploited it to the to the maximum. So I mean, at the end of the first quarter, after you know, I suppose Mead having a lot of a lot of the ball, it was Westmead three goals, Mead two six. It was you know, it was, it was an outstanding um, spectacle to watch, and um, there was some great open football in it, and it was um, really really enjoyable. We, we won't have time to go through the five goals we'll talk about two of them in particular one Westmead it was a bit of controversy but their second goal uh, was Joanna Maher dropping a ball in Lucy McCartan well a start of the game she had with two goals <laughs> but it was like the ball kind of hit her coming out and I don't think he got a connection in the boot but the goal was given the goal was given yeah like I, I probably think in in retrospect, I'm I'm not an absolute genius on the on the rules of the game, but I I, I think there was, she was lacking probably a striking action to put the ball into the net. So, look, probably that that goal shouldn't have stood, but you'd have to give her credit. She was sniffing around the goal. She was waiting for the break. She followed it up. She didn't quite get her booted, or she didn't get a fisted, but she got it into the back of the net. It's very difficult for the referee in real time to to see that. Maybe his umpire should have spotted it. He went in and checked with him. They didn't spot it, so the goal stood. Commentators on Midlands 103, I think we're claiming a bit of redemption for Joe Sheridan's goal against Loud <laughs> in the Leinster final 10 years previously, but there there was no doubts about one of the goals of the season, Ficky Wall. What a, well, like, again, we could talk so much about her performance overall in general, but that goal that came on 12 minutes, you know, the space opened up, she went back to herself, she went for it, and what a stunner. Oh, it was unbelievable. And I suppose I, I, I might have appreciated the goal even more considering she kicked two massive points with her with her left leg in the second half. But that was a goal. I suppose her sister had just gone off with a query of a cruciate injury. And I'd say she was I'd say she was feeling pretty crass in herself at the time. The ball came to her and she cut through the middle. The way like her her movement through the middle, just her balance on the ball, she was able to solo left and right. She was comfortable on both feet. And you just knew by the by the cut of her the way she was going in, she was going for goal. It didn't matter which leg she'd have to take it on, she was comfortable on either. The way it worked out, it came to her on her right leg, and she just she finished it with style to the top, to the roof of the net. She placed it, she knew she knew where she was going with it. And after such an excellent run with the ball, it was a fantastic goal. It was definitely one of the goals of the year. And it was, um, it was, it was lovely to be up there to see it live. I was just going to say the same thing. It was a privilege to be there. Uh, Westmead got a fourth goal in the second half. Leon Archibald with a penalty as well after Fiona Claffey was fouled. But by the 44-minute mark, Mead were really turning the screw. And I suppose one thing that will give Eamon Murray in his panel great satisfaction is the way they closed this game out. It was players like Emma Troy, Vicky Wall, Emma Duggan, all uh, prolific in the scoreboard. Absolutely, yeah. Look, um, I think... I think 
Westmead actually failed to score in the in the last quarter. They were down Fiona, Fiona Claffey and Joanna Mayer got, got a yellow card as well. So look, they were they were quite defensive at times, Westmead. Um, and I think Mead found it hard to to break them down at times. But by the end of the game, I think they, they managed to wear them down and they managed to show their um to show their class, I suppose, and show their skill and show their balance they had within the team. Um so look. Westmead put up a, you know, they, they put up a very good battle, but I think Mead were a better team and I think they were worthy champions. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them in the senior championship. They're a bit like Tipperary, as in their age profile is correct in terms of making the step up to senior. They certainly have a lot to learn in terms of um, not leaving the, the house wide open at the back. But if they get that right, they have a lot of, you know, they have a lot of good players going forward. Um, and, and, you know, they they really, I, I think they'll, they'll, might take them a couple of years to, to really get to the top of senior, but I think they're on the, on the right track and looking forward to seeing how they'll get on in, in 2021. And that's the thing before we move on as well. It's not every day you go to Crow Park and watch Mead and Dublin both win All-Ireland titles and straight away Leinster uh, Council couldn't have asked for a better promo because everybody's talking about the clash of All-Ireland champions next year, Dublin against Mead. Absolutely, yeah. And look... It'll be, it'll be a tough ask for me next year if they're going to be facing against Dublin. But look, that's how you learn. That's how you improve. You always want to be playing the best. So Mead will look forward to that. I've, I've no doubt about that. And it'll bring, bring on their game. And I think they have, they have loads of potential to, to improve even further. We're certainly really looking forward to that as well, how they get on in that game and even in the All-Ireland series. And hopefully we have um, get supporters out to see these matches as well in 2021. Rena, we're going to go now to the big moment of the year. You've already done it for us with the Camogie. It's time for the Football Super 6 and we'll go with the same format as before. I'll get your four senior nominees first without naming the winner just yet. And then we'll go through junior, intermediate and senior. And of course, there'll be plenty of contenders, even just from what we saw in Crow Park last Sunday. But first, we'll go with the four senior nominees in any particular order you wish. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the players I went with, the, um, I suppose the first player I went, I went with, an RMR player, I went with Amy Mackin. Um, I thought she set the championship alight. I thought she was fantastic. I thought in the Armagh Dublin game, I thought she, she really, really stood out. But in the games before that, in the games against... Um, against Tyrone, against Mayo. She was a standout performer for Armagh in each of the games. And particularly because of her, her dominance, you know, it made Armagh super, super competitive. So definitely Amy Mackin is, is in the top four for the senior. So Amy Mackin is the first nominee, the second? Second one, again, another girl who didn't play in an All-Ireland final this year. So I went with Ashley Maloney. Um, I suppose I saw Ashley against, I saw her against Galway live and I saw her against Monaghan. Um, and again, like Amy Mackin, she was the standout performer. And because of because of Ashling, Tipperary are really in the mix of particularly beating Galway that day. Um, I, again, I thought she was just a standout performer. You could leave the ball into her anyway. She could collect it anyway at all. And she she was able to bring other players in around her. She was always a danger going forward. And um, when she went out around the middle, she was able to control things out there as well. So without a doubt, Ashley Maloney was was in the top four for me this year. Fantastic player she was this year. She of course she was up in Crow Park as well to see the action as well. That's two down, two to go. Number three. Number three, yeah. So look, I went with a Cork player for number three. I, I haven't picked a Galway player, and I suppose look, I, why didn't I pick a Galway player? They were the other semi-finalists. I, I didn't. I suppose look, I thought they were quite balanced all year, and um, I, look, they were disappointing in the semi-final. Maybe through no fault of their own, but. Um, I, I left Galway, Galway out, I'm afraid. I went with a Cork player. I went with a player who probably didn't get a whole pile of limelight um, throughout the year, but I just thought she had a very, very solid, solid campaign. And I thought she added immensely to the balance within the Cork team. So I, look, she was dispossessed for going forward, um, which led to the Dublin penalty. But aside from that, Roisin Phelan didn't put a foot wrong all, all year. I thought against Kerry, against Cavan, um, against Galway, you know, she led to loads of stability in the Cork backline, loads of confidence in the Cork backline. She was a real defender in her tackling, you know. She, she was really, really excellent. She was an example to, to any any defender. Um, and I, I would put Roisin Phelan in, in, in my top four. A very deserving one. I'll forgive you the goal we won anyway. But in fairness, you didn't pick a Cork person in the camogie, so you're allowed that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's three down, one to go, Rena. Who's our fourth nominee? So the fourth nominee, I went with a Dublin player. Um, so I suppose I went with a player who impressed me throughout the whole of the championship. 
She was impressive against Donegal. She was impressive against Waterford. She was impressive against Armagh. And she had a fine final as well. I went for their midfielder, Jennifer Dunn. And I thought she was Dublin's most consistent performer all year. I thought she had no bad game. And I thought she had fine games in each of them. And she was really positive for Dublin in terms of turnovers, in terms of support going forward, in terms of creating up front. So my fourth nominee is Jennifer Dunn. Jennifer Dunn was a very consistent performer in the middle with Lauren McGee. We even touched on that in the preview of the final as well. We'll come back to those four players in a moment to see who is the senior player of the year. But Rena, we're going to start now with our first of three, um, I was going to say award winners, but it's the kind of the thumbs up we're giving them here in sports stats. But Rena, I'm going to ask you now for your um, TG Carr, our ladies football, our football junior player of the year for 2020. Yeah, um, so I suppose, look, Wicklow played for men in the in the final. I suppose we thought Wicklow were probably going to get the... Wicklow may have been favourites going into the game, but for men, it did the business on the day. Um, and I suppose I, I, I win with Emer Smith. She scored 2-6 against Limerick. She scored 2-6 against Carlow. And she scored 1-5 against Wicklow. It's serious going for, for any player. So Emer Smith is, is my junior player of the year. And I suppose if there's one thing to say about the junior final being on a different weekend to the senior and intermediate and the stream when we got this series, we got to enjoy the performances of players like Emer Smith. Absolutely, yeah. It's, you know, the streaming that's been going on this year, I hope, I certainly hope that's something that continues into 2021. I certainly hope so as well. So Emer Smith is our junior player of the year. Rena, it's time for your intermediate footballer of the year. Yeah, look, my intermediate football, I went with a Mead player. I, th- I thought Mead were... Where I thought they were excellent in, in the semi-final and the final. Um, I, I think Westmead probably struggled a little bit in the semi-final and, and I thought Mead were, were the better team in the final. The player I went with was their wing forward, Emma Duggan. I thought she was hugely impressive against Clare and I thought she was hugely impressive against Mead as well, or sorry, against Westmead as well. Um, she's, she's a big, strong player. She can move. Um, she has a great understanding about holding on to the ball and when she gets into a scoring position, she's a beautiful striker of the ball, be it from freeze or be it from play, left and right. I think she's, um, you know, she's, she's an outstanding footballer. I think she's 19 years of age, but she plays like someone who's much older than that. And she's a very, very bright future ahead of her. So Emer Duggan is my intermediate player of the year. And as you mentioned, such a young player, but she was, a lot of people were talking about her as well on Sunday. Well, Vicky Wall got the plaudits as player of the match. Emma Duggan was certainly a contender as well. And as you said, she was consistent throughout the campaign. Absolutely, yeah. Look, Vicky's a, a brilliant player, but I suppose over the whole championship, I thought Emma contributed so much, so I went with Emma. Well, now it's time for our final moment of the year as I get the drum roll going here. It's Amy Mackin, Ashley Maloney, Roisin Phelan or Jennifer Dunn, who is Rena Buckley's Senior Footballer of the Year. Considering her work rate and her consistency all year, I suppose her improvement as well. I've gone with Jennifer Dunn as my Senior Player of the Year. Fantastic acknowledgement for Jennifer Dunn and her contribution to Dublin's four All-Ireland titles in a row. I'm just going to repeat those uh, winners one more time. The senior nominees, Amy Mackin, Ashley from Armagh, Ashley Maloney from Tipperary, Roisin Phelan from Cork and Jennifer Dunn from Dublin. The junior footballer of the year is Emer Smith from Fermanagh, the intermediate footballer of the year, Emma Duggan from Mead and Rena Buckley, senior footballer of the year from Dublin is Jennifer Dunn. Rena, before I say goodbye to you, we just have a quick moment there, moment of the year off the top of your head moment of the year probably my personal moment of the year was when Anya Terry scored that goal in the All-Ireland final (laughs) I thought we had a really really good chance of bringing it home after she scored that that was probably the most excited I got in the Ladies Football All-Ireland Championship this year it was certainly worth it too as a goal remembers once we talked about Vicky Wall Anya Terry's shot to the back of the net will certainly be talked about Rena, um, on behalf of myself personally, first and foremost, thank you very much for all the contributions this year with the Camogie and the Football Championships. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I certainly hope we do chat again in 2021 in some capacity here in Sports Des. Thanks, Darren. Thanks very much. Really enjoyable. And Merry Christmas. Noli Kona. And Merry Christmas to you too and a Happy New Year. I like listening Sports Des because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies Camogie. So we're back here with myself and Neve, and just to let listeners know, uh, we put the special noise cancellation micro micro headphones on Neve there when Rena was announcing her Super Six, so she didn't hear anything on that. And of course, we'll be finishing up the show with that Super Six. Before we do, Neve, we'll just talk about a couple of talking points of the year, and also then get your moment of the year as well. And look, it's been a positive year in general for ladies football. Unfortunately, the one story everybody will probably be talking about was the whole Ireland semi final between Cork and Galway. 
Yeah, like, and it is a pity. Like, you know, obviously, you know, they would say no, um, no publicity. What's good for bad publicity is good publicity, or what's that saying? Well, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'd say they've never gotten as much publicity as they got from what happened that day. Yeah, it really has. But you know, it's a pity that you know we we've said this. It's a pity that it, it completely overshadowed all the good stuff that the, that the LGFA have done over the last. 40 years plus, you know, in, in this current season that has been so um, so much upheaval in it and so much uh, uncertainty and they really ran a really good championship at all levels and, you know, and they should be really commended on that and it's just a pity that did take a wee bit of line right away but I suppose it'll, it'll, they'll learn from it and we will have to move on and hopefully it, it never happens again. We certainly hope so too. Very, very unfortunate what happened. Another one as well, and I don't mean to be focused on the negative, we'll go back to the positive in a moment. Uh, earlier this season on the podcast, we um, the school's finals, like they were called off too when the initial lockdown came in as well. I suppose the feeling among a lot of people was because we had the finalists in these competitions. Now, you couldn't have done it at the time with everything going on, but should the door have been kept open to get those games played over the course of the year? Yeah, like, I mean, I suppose for, for those girls in, in in question, you know, it's obviously very disheartening on them and obviously really looking forward to playing these games. And it is, but, you know, I, I know that the GA and the LGFA took a lot of their, their all their advice from, from the HSC and from the government. So I suppose, you know, I know even, for example, that Ulster final between Monaghan and, and, and Armagh last week had to get special um, permission to play that game last week. And that's just, you know, that was a senior Ulster final that had to get certain particular um, permission for it so I suppose the school games it is very disheartening girls but you have to understand I suppose that we're trying to you know keep everyone safe and maybe afraid to play them then it might be just another age group or another say well why can't we play these games so I suppose it was just a knock-on effect that had to just pull across the board yeah, because in fairness, they deserve credit for making the brave calls at the start as well, even if they got hit with things like that with London, with minor and all that. But as well, and maybe I'm just making a, a kind of a personal thought here as well. The fact that they had their finalists, I was just wondering, should the door have been kept open? Because for, for girls that age now, when they see the lads out playing inter-county minor championship matches at the moment, I suppose you can understand where they're coming from that because we knew the finalists in three particular competitions that maybe the door should have been kept open and who knows, maybe sometime before this new lockdown came in, those games could have been played. Yeah, so yeah, I know what you're saying. So not not pull them directly and maybe give people the hope. But then you've got the other side of if these teams are trained away and trained away and maybe no window for them to play, then you'd be they'd be caught the other way of saying, like, why are these teams trained away and, and no hope for them or no window for them to play then? So I could don't know. I suppose they were do, damned if they did, then damned if they didn't, you know, in that sort of way. So they weren't going to win that one. But it is hard on those girls. And I suppose... You know, I was involved with the with the Monaghan on the 14th this year and we had a panel picked and, you know, team ready to go first weekend in championship and then the whole thing was pulled. So, you know, it's very hard on those girls because they're obviously all over age for next year and won't get the opportunity to play on the 14 County Couple either. So, you know, there's a lot of, it affected so many age groups and teams, you know, across the board. I know there's plans to have an under 15, 17 and 19 next year and hopefully that comes to pass and they get a chance to play even if it's a year out from what they originally planned to do. Let's go back in the positive uh, note, Neve. Um, I won't ask you too many of them now, but maybe you might give us your one or two uh, moments of the of 2020. Yeah, well, uh, well, I think one really big positive, and I said this a few times, you know, and it's back to the compliment to LGFA, all games being streamed was massive this year. Like, you know, in any other normal year, we wouldn't get to see the junior championship, um, junior championship games at all, apart from the from the final in Crow Park. Um, you know, so we got to see all those junior championship games and some real crackers um, that was involved in them. Um, you know, all the intermediate games. So I think it's seeing every game was was or the opportunity to see every game was was brilliant this year, and it's something. You know, obviously, we don't know what next year brings, but I think it's something that would be really, you know, it's obviously, I'm sure it's expensive and stuff to do, but I think it'd be something really brilliant to do um, going forward for the for ladies football, you know, because it really opens up the audience for people to watch the game um, at every opportunity. We certainly will hope that remains in some capacity and is the one positive note to come out of the COVID year that was 2020, because I can understand when, get, when, when supporters can go back into games, the organisations will be thinking about finances. But as you said there as well, we got to, even on these podcasts and these chats, we got to marvel at some players that I'd never heard of before yeah. we started talking about them. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, we got to see some really great, you know, great finds and great players. And, you know, it, it found that, you know, social media was then lighting up because they were getting to see these players, which they never would get the opportunity to see. And I think it's a really big boost for those junior teams in particular, because it's only the two teams that get to Crow Park every year that actually get 
you know, those players get maybe become household, or not household names, but become names that, you know, that, that the media know about or by that people will know about. So, so all those other players got that opportunity. And, you know, I think it'll, it'll help to um, encourage more and more players to, to keep involved and stay involved because the profile is constantly, um, constantly growing and constantly building. And it's vital too that for young uh, girls wanting to pick up a football and play that they have uh, that they have heroes from their own county. Like no doubt, many of the young Monaghan players at the moment watched yourself and watched Brenda and watched Jenny and all that back when you were doing well too. But for some counties like Fermanagh, there that won the junior championship this year, and even me there in Crow Park last week, you know, um, rarely to get the chance to see these players and give them some somebody to aspire to as they get older. Yeah, that's it. Like, and I mean, you know, you need to see, like, you know, the the, the twenty twenty campaign can't see, can't be. You know, these players, these these young children need to see these players, um, you know, every week, and they got to do that, and and you know, look, and then you know, as a result, they weren't just watching their own county players, they're watching other players and getting to know other teams and other names, you know, and and it's so important um, for for the growth of the sport, and I think that was a massive positive this year. And we certainly hope those young players get a chance to get back playing as early as possible and safe to do so in 2021. Neve, we could spend another hour talking about uh, last Sunday or even 2020 in particular. And I do hope we get a chance to talk more in 2021 about those Mahars and the upcoming games. But now we're going to wrap up the 2020 year here on Sports Stars with uh, your Super Six. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to name your four Senior Player of the Year nominees, not giving me the winner just yet. And then afterwards, we'll go junior player of the year, intermediate player of the year, and senior player of the year. And if you're nice to me, I might tell you Rena's <laughs> picks <Okay>. afterwards <laughs> as well. So, Neve, when you're ready, in no particular order, I'll ask you for your four senior player of the year nominees and why. Okay, Doc. Okay, so my first, and as you said, in no particular order, order uh, is Amy Mackin from Armagh. Um, you know, I really felt that Amy lit up the championship this year for Armagh and, um, you know, the championship in general. She's only 23 years of age, uh, came back uh, this year, you know, tore her cruciate ligament in July of 2019. You know, had would have, would have had a tough, um, you know, winter campaign in trying to get herself back to um, fitness and a, and a lonely campaign that I know all about. Um, you know, so a lot of rehab and stuff. And she really worked so hard. You know, had a super campaign, 2-7 against Mayo and player of the match, 1-6 against her own player of the match and 2-4 against Dublin. And I'm very unfortunate not to maybe get um, over Dublin only for their experience and stuff. So Amy Mackin is a is number um, one of my first uh, nomination. Amy Mackin from Armagh, the first nomination, number two. Number two is Melissa Duggan from Cork. Uh, on the losing side of the... The, the, for the team of the team in the All-Ireland last, last Sunday um, but it was no fault of Melissa's um, you know she had a super um, year with, with Cork this year uh, she's only her third year on the panel which is actually hard to believe I couldn't believe that when I read that back uh, you know her first All-Star award last year uh, her driving runs up forward have been you know immense all year and still able to get back and defend uh, you know, the, any little positive attacks that Dub Cork had last week, she was involved in them. You know, just before half time, she scored up. Um, she was involved, fouled in her own 13, or in, sorry, in the Dublin's 13 metre line uh, that has a free, had a free, um, that or a Finn scored. So, Melissa Duggan, only 24 years of age, so the future is really, really bright for her. So definitely a leader for the new generation of Cork players coming through. That is our second senior player of the year nominee. Time for number three. Number three is Carla Rowe from Dublin. Carla Rowe is, believe it or not, sixth year on the panel. Uh, she's three All-Stars to her name already. Um, you know, this player, I, she, I, you know, I suppose I've probably been a wee bit harsh on her over the years. Um, you know, I, I felt that she was just a mediocre player. And I think over the last two or three years, she's just developed into this really, you know, talented, can kick um, off both feet, left foot, right foot. Uh, you know, her penalty and, you know, in the semi-final and the final and her free taking after losing Sinead Ahern in, in both games, she really stepped up to the mantle and um, was phenomenal for Dublin this year. You know, only 25 years of age, which is scary, which, you know, proves this back to the thing that the future Dublin have. And the one thing about Carla too is that she had a bad first day out against Donegal and for other players that could have ruined their year, especially with the shorter window as well. But it was, she just bounced back her determination, something I'm, I always admire myself personally is how somebody reacts to a bad day out. 
Yeah, she really has. Like, and I mean, I, it's very obvious that she's worked so hard on her game. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, Mick Bowen's a big believer in, you know, being able to kick off both feet and, you know, fist off both hands. Um, and I mean, you can really see she's worked on that. And you can see all the Dublin players have, have that skill level. But I mean, she's really, really worked at it. And, you know, her free taking and, you know, the penalties and stuff. And, and really, you know, all pressure kicks, she's just stepped up to the mantle so well, especially with losing Sinead Ahern in those games. So Carla Rowe is the third nominee from Dublin, the fourth and final nominee. The fourth is another Dublin player, uh, player of the match last Sunday, deservedly so, Sinead Goldrick. You know, wasn't in the panel um, against Waterford, so I'm probably only basing this on on three games. Um, probably, I think, part of the reason why they didn't really play that, Dublin didn't play that well against Waterford. Uh, you know, it's like a case of, you know, if Sinead's playing well, Dublin's playing well. Didn't get on the score. She cooked the, kicked the two wides last Sunday, um, but she she was getting up the field. She was you know she had the job of at times marking Kira Sullivan. She kept Kira quiet, and yet she put Kira Sullivan in the back foot by attacking forward. Her driving runs, her fitness levels. You know she turned over a kick out um, just after half time. She turned over a kick out from Martino O'Brien. And like, you know, she blazed it wide in the end up. But, you know, she was there, up there, turnover kickouts and then was still back to turnover um, balls in her own defence. So, you know, only 30 years of age, um, you know, she's one of those players that uh, has the four Ireland medals now and has been in Paul so many years. And, you know, her she's worked so hard in her game and obviously playing, heading over to AFL before the end, of, well, I don't know, maybe the end of the year. And, you know, a really big team player for Dublin. It was a Trojan second half performance from her. We'll forgive her for missing a sitter at the start of that half, but of course she led by example afterwards. So it's Amy Mackin from Armagh, Melissa Duggan from Cork, Carla Rowe from Dublin and Sinead Goldrick from Dublin. There are Neve Kendall's four Senior Player of the Year nominees. We'll get the winner in just a couple of moments, but now we're going to start with the three overall winners of the year, Neve. First, we're going to ask you now for your Junior Footballer of the Year and why. Okay. Um, so I'll just go straight on. I was going to do a big build up there, but I'll go straight into it. But this was was probably, there was a couple of players you could have picked, you know, obviously Wicklow and Fermanagh contested the final. You know, Wicklow had some great players in Laura Hogan and Maeve Deeney and, you know, Fermanagh had players like Joanne Dune and stuff, but I think we can't, and I, I you know, I, you know, they're all Irish champions and this is the reason they are, is Emer Smith. Um, you know, she has been phenomenal this year. Uh, she scored 6-16 in the championship so far, 1-5 in that final. You know, her goal being at a vital stage, um, you know, Gracie swung the game in into Fermanagh's favour. Derry Gonley player, she's, you know, she was actually the junior players player of the year last year, you know, but she's still so young and still so, uh, still so enthusiastic and, 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 you know, obviously very hurt by the, the Fermanagh's loss last year. She was driving that team this year and she was by far the, by, um, by the by, a big part, she was the big part of reason why they won the game. Won the she, she's the unanimous selection for junior football of the year with yourself and Rena. And we've spoken about her before here, Neve, on the show. Like as we talked about the chance to see junior players in action, and even uh, if there was one positive from them being on a different weekend of the senior and intermediates this year, is we got to marvel in the talents of Emer Smith. Yeah, like she really is. And I mean, she, you know, she's actually quite a light player. Like, you know, she doesn't, you know, she's fast and she's light, but God, she, she takes some tackles and she gets a lot of abuse and she just gets on and gets up with it and gets on with it. And, you know, her, her ability to take goals. And I mean, that goal, in particular, that goal in the final, like, you know, as I said, it was a vital stage, you know, it was a turnover, the kick out. And I mean, it just turned the whole game on its head. And, you know, just, you could see then that Fermana was, that we're going to win the All-Ireland then because it just, the whole thing just turned on its head by that inspiration goal from her. Emer Smith from Fermanagh is Neve Kendall's Junior Footballer of the Year. Now, Neve, it's time for your Intermediate Player of the Year. Okay, um, so again, a few contenders, you know, obviously the final was contested in Westmead and, and Mead and, you know, obviously there's players you could look at from both sides, like, you know, Fiona Claffey, captain Westmead, really played a captain's part, you know, and I felt gutted for her being carried off last Sunday, um, you know, and I, I think it was a bit of a turning point in the game. Um, but, you know, Fiona Claffey, more of a shock to see from Mead, again, a captain's role has been, you know, real um, at midfield, a real... Um, workhorse at midfield and popped up and scored a point last Sunday. Jenny Higgins can't mention Intermediate without mentioning Jenny Higgins, 101 games for, for us common, a real stalwart um, you know, probably was probably gutted last week, not watching, not being up in Crow Park, you know, it'd be a lovely way to finish um, you know, finish with 102 games being in, playing the All-Ireland in Crow Park but you know, it was a real stalwart but again, I'm back to my player of the match last week, like Vicky Wall, 
you know, <laughs> 22 years of age, you know, I, I felt this year, you know, last year I, I watched her and I thought, right, she's got great ability. And, you know, I felt that she wanted to do it all herself in games. And this year I just found she was more the provider. She she didn't score a load in, in the build up to the final last to build up to the All-Ireland. You know, her scoring record wasn't massive, but her assists would have been for keeping assists. Her assists would have been would have been um, very high tally. She you know, she just got more involved passing the ball around. She's a great passer of the ball and obviously very, very strong. Um, scored one four last week. Um, the goal, I mean, goal of the year. I think it's going to be a, definitely a massive contender. You know, she's only 22. It's her sixth year on the panel, um, which is hard to believe that obviously in the panel at a young age. Um, but she's really finding her feet now with that mid team and she's going to be a force to reckon with. So my intermediate player is Vicky Ball. And you said it as well, Neve, in the build-up to the All-Ireland final last week, while we were marvelling at the attack with Stacey Grimes and Neve O'Sullivan and Brigitte, Wall, uh, Brigitte Lynch, sorry, uh, getting all the scores too. Vicky Wall was pulling the strings, and then of course she stepped up and was the conductor in Grove Park. Yeah, she really was. Like, and I mean, you know, it was like as if she was like, "Fuck this," you know, I'm going to step up here. And like, you know, she, you know, and we we talked about Stacey. Like Stacey, probably by her standards, had a quiet game last Sunday. Still scored three points, but from freeze, you know. But Vicky really, really turned the screw. And you know, at every point, at every stage, you know, when you felt Westmead might have felt, "God, I'm getting back into this game," she would come up and and get involved or score a point or turn over a ball or something. So she really was was really and deserving of a player of the match. Vicky Wall from Mead, the Neve Kendon's Intermediate Footballer of the Year. So now it's the drum roll moment. It's time for the big announcement. <laughs> the Senior Footballer of the Year. The nominees are Amy Mackin from Armagh, Melissa Duggan from Cork, Carla Rowe from Dublin and Sinead Goldrick from Dublin. Neve, who is your Senior Footballer of 2020? Right, Darren, my Senior Footballer is Carla Rowe. Um, as I spoke about her already, I think, um, you know, she's just been really, really, she, you know, she's been phenomenal this year. You know, she, by as I said, you know, over the years, she's, you know, you could question some of her performances, but God, this, the last two games, particularly, you know, when the, when the game for Dublin was in the knife edge, uh, she was the one that turned the game around, scoring the penalty, scoring freeze, you know, taking up the mantle of Sinead Ahern that has done it for Dublin for so many years. Um, I just felt Carla did that this year in abundance and in particular those two games and she is my player of the year. Carla Rowe, a very popular choice as well and has a, had a fantastic season as we touched on already, bouncing back from a poor first say to really light it up, especially in the All-Ireland semi-finals and finals. Before we wrap up, I go through now both the selections here on Sports Stars Football today and of course Neve is here in Rena's for the first time. Rena Buckley, Senior Player of the Year nominees were Amy Mackin from Armagh, Ash Maloney from Tipperary, Roisin Phelan from Cork and Jennifer Dunn from Dublin. The Junior Footballer of the Year was Emer Smith from Fermanagh. The Intermediate Footballer of the Year was Emma Duggan from Mead and Rena Buckley, Senior Player of the Year was Jennifer Dunn from Dublin. And then just repeat Neve's selections again. Neve Kenlan's Senior Football of the Year nominees, Amy Mackin from Armagh, Melissa Duggan from Cork, Carla Rowe from Dublin and Sinead Goldrick from Dublin. Junior Footballer of the Year, Emer Smith from for Mana, Vicky Wall from Mead is the Intermediate Footballer of the Year and Carla Rowe from Dublin is Neve Kenlan's Senior Footballer of the Year. Would you believe it, the only senior player across the two codes that was nominated twice this year was Amy Mackin from Armagh and of course while she wasn't in the All-Ireland Final as you mentioned already, a phenomenal year and of course another young player like Carla Rowe that's which could definitely going to have a major impact on the game over the next couple of years. Oh, definitely so. Like Amy has been, like, you know, she's been a delight to watch this year. Like, and I mean, you know, we were very, I, you know, what, sorry, I forgot to say earlier, one of the very positive things from the ladies football this year was Friday night games. You know, I really think that was a, a really new find and something that I hope continues. I think that's been, you know, really a, a lovely niche that people are, you know, when there's football on to, to have ladies football games on a Friday night because it, it, it had it opened it up to a new audience as well but Amy Mackin in particular you know in that Tyrone that first night was our man Tyrone and my god her scoring was phenomenal that night and obviously that point she scored against Mayo you know there's teams that still I think it's still floating around on Twitter about it you know so she had some brilliant scores and I mean she's a serious left foot and a serious future serious future indeed we look forward to seeing her and Carla and Jennifer Dunn and everybody else in action in 2021 and beyond 
that being said, I thought I lost you there for a second. <laughs> With that being said, Neve, on behalf of myself personally, first and foremost, and also in sports stands, I've really, really enjoyed our chats this year through the campaign. Like so much has gone on and it's only been two months, but it's been great every Wednesday to be able to sit down and talk about what's happened before and looking ahead uh, to what's happening in the future. And I really, really want to thank you first uh, for joining me for these chats. And I do hope that we do it again in some capacity in 2021. Yes, I've, I really enjoyed it too, Darren. And thank you very much for asking me. Um, it's been a privilege and a, and a really uh, enjoyable to recap on the games and to review. I, I know we didn't get our predictions right every time, <laughs> but sure, we learn for next year and we might we might, uh, we might might get a few more right. I hope there's nobody putting money on what we were suggesting. So, uh, we, we, we got a few right, though. We have to give ourselves that. We got a few right. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said that is it for Sports Stars podcast for 2020 103 not out just slightly ahead of Jenny Higgins from Roscommon but <laughs> I've no doubt there's plenty more to come from Jenny and from ourselves next year Neve. I want to thank you again for joining us here in Sports Stars Football wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and with that being said this has been Sports Stars Football before I wrap up to let you know over the Christmas period we'll be playing the best of the fair green some great past and present players we've talked to over the last five months and we have those up on our social media over the Christmas period and especially with the long Christmas that we could have with social activities restricted we hope you get to enjoy those and they'll bring uh, some joy and brightness too over the period with the help of God it'll be early in the new year before we're back we will have details on that but with that being said I'm Darren Kelly this was Sports Stars Football and thank you very much to Neve Kendall. Thanks Darren Bye